The scripture reading today comes from Mark chapter 14, verses 35 to 41. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the, the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Would you pause and pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth, and we invite your Holy Spirit to speak your truth and your grace and your gospel to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the event that is recorded in the passage we just heard took place on the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Kinneret which is a large inland body of water in the northern part of Palestine, the northern part of Israel. And to uh, just sort of work through this passage with you, what I'd like to do today is I'd like us to look at this story from three different perspectives. First, let's, uh, let's think about what happened, what happened here. Then secondly, we'll talk about when this happened. And then third, as, as best as we can, uh, let's try to think about why this happened. I say as best as we can because often we, it's very mysterious why God lets some things happen in our lives, why, why He doesn't. But there are some clues in this text that I think point to the purpose that God had behind this. So what happened, when it happened, and why. Um, so what happened in this passage was a storm. There was a sudden, severe storm. And apparently this, these types of storms are not uncommon on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is a lake that's about 12 miles long from north to south. It's as much as eight miles wide from east to west. And in terms of elevation, the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater body of water anywhere in the world. It's the lowest lake in the world. Um, it's actually 700 feet below sea level. And what's strange is uh, it's surrounded by elevations that are way above sea level. So in, in Galilee, you have these hills. They're as much as 1,500 feet above sea level. On the other side, there's the Golan Heights, as, uh, like 2,500 2, feet above sea level. So it's a very strange topography. Just, you have these heights, and then you have this deep, deep basin where there's water. And it seems that um, something about the geography of this, this area um, lends itself from time to time to these sudden very violent storms. I guess the cold air from the mountains comes down, meets the warm air on the water, and in just seconds you're in the midst of um, just a, a, a tremendously frightening storm. And it seems that, that that is what happened here. The disciples were in the boat with Jesus, they're sailing along, they're minding their own business, they're as happy as can be, and then suddenly, without warning, 
verse 37 says, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And you'll, you'll notice it doesn't just say that the waves were crashing against the boat. It says the waves were crashing over the boat, filling the boat. And the disciples, as you know, many of whom were experienced uh, fishermen, they, these were not the type of people to panic on the water if it's not serious. They were convinced that they were all about to drown. So that's what happened. Another way to state that, what happened in this passage is without warning, God's people found themselves in, in a painful, frightening crisis. Without warning, God's people found themselves in the midst of a painful, frightening crisis. And I'm sure you know that that can happen with any of us, right? I mean, with any one of us, life can change quickly, unexpectedly, in really hard ways. You get home from jogging, you're taking a shower, there's a lump you never noticed in your body before. Listen, within, within just days, you could find yourself sitting in a doctor's office talking about some very, very scary stuff. You, uh, you send your child off to college, you're so happy for about how, how grounded they seem to be in their faith, they really love the Lord, they come back for Christmas break, and you're like, what happened to my child? Where is this? My child, what happened? I didn't see this coming. Or, or you're, you're crossing the street. You were just going to the corner store to get a can of soda. And the last thing you remember, there was this car turning left. The next thing you know, you're waking up in a hospital bed. There's a bunch of doctors at the end of the bed. They're, they're discussing together whether you will ever walk again. Right? I, I, don't, I don't mean to just kind of be a discouraging, but we know this, right? Life can change quickly in unexpected ways. You go to bed happy. This ever happened to you? You go to bed happy. You wake up depressed. Where did that come from? You, you, you start the week healthy. By Friday, you're sick. The beginning of the month, you have the, the job of your dreams. At the end of the month, you're unemployed. I mean, this, this is just the reality. It can happen to any one of us. Life can change quickly, unexpectedly, in painful ways. And that, that is what happened here. There's this sudden, dangerous storm. Now, second point, when? When did this happen? By when, I don't mean the time of the day. I don't mean the month of the year. I, what, by when, what I mean is... When did this happen in the context of the disciples' lives? What was going on in their lives when this storm hit them? All right? Um, the, I, the reason I ask that, the, you're probably familiar. There's a very famous story in the Old Testament about another man who found himself in the midst of a storm at sea. How many of you know the story of Jonah? Right? You know the story. Remember Jonah? He's out on a boat. He's in the sea. Suddenly there's this... this this uh, very violent storm, it, it looks like it's going to kill him. Um, when did that happen to Jonah? Well, it happened to Jonah when he was disobeying God, right? It happened to Jonah when he strayed from the Lord's will. God sent this storm in, into Jonah's experience that is just sort of a, an expression of God's displeasure with him to wake him up, to get him to repent and turn around and come to where he's supposed to be. And we should know Sometimes God does that with us. We, Hebrews 12 says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Sometimes when we stray from God, he will bring 
hardship into our life to get us to turn around and come back to Him. And it's easy to assume that every time anyone goes through a storm, it must be that they've done something bad, right? They've done, they've done something wrong. But look at this passage. When did this happen to the disciples? Look, let, me, let me phrase this in terms of a multiple choice question, all right? Here's the question, class. Did the disciples find themselves in the middle of the storm, A, when they were disobeying Christ, or B, when they were obeying Christ? The answer is B, right? They're obeying the Lord. Verse 13 says, That day when evening came, he, that is Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. So it was Jesus' idea for them to get into the boat. Crossing in, they, they were crossing the sea at Christ's command. They were doing what he said. I've heard it said before. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this. I've heard it said that the safest place to be anywhere in the world is to be in the center of God's will. That may be true, but let's be honest, when this storm hit these disciples, they were in the center of God's will. We're talking about a group of people here who had left everything behind to follow Jesus, right? They were faithfully serving Jesus in the work of the kingdom. They were traveling with Jesus every day. They were learning from Jesus every day. And that's when the storm hit. Guys, you know this, right? Storms, storms can hit even when we are in the center of God's will. Heaven will be filled with, with people who went through very, very painful times when they were obeying God, when they were serving the Lord. So what happened here? A storm. When did this happen? When they were obeying Jesus. Now the tough question, why? Why, why did God allow this frightening, painful event into their life? Now you'll notice that the disciples' immediate assumption when, when the boat began to sink, their immediate assumption was that this had happened because for some reason, Christ did not care about them anymore. Did you, did you catch their words? Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? So in other words, they assumed because they're going through this storm, they just assumed that something must have happened that had, that had somehow disrupted the love that Christ once had for him, for them. Because, I mean, if he loved them, if he cared, you know, they, they, he wouldn't let them suffer this way. Maybe they, had, maybe they had angered him. Maybe they had disappointed him somehow. Maybe uh, there, there's some way that they had sinned and they, you know, they, they weren't aware of. Something must have gone wrong. That's what, um, you, you've read the book of Job. That's what Job's friends said to him, right? Remember Job, he's going through a time of suffering. His friends show up, and as long as they kept their mouth shut, they were fine. But when they, when they, tried, to, they tried to explain things to him, that's when they ruined. They said, Job, listen, you must have done something wrong. I mean, you must have done something to make God angry with you. You, you wouldn't be going through this suffering if you hadn't done something so that God no longer cares about you. And this is what the disciples are assuming. We're going through this storm. He must not care. But if you look at this passage, he did care, didn't he? He, didn't, he did not let them drown. 
Verse 39 says, he got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down. It was completely calm. He did not let his servants drown. So it seems clear that the reason for this storm was not because Christ was displeased with them. It was not because they were no longer objects of his love. Okay, so then why? Why did it happen? Well, we're not told explicitly, but I think there are some hints just in the, um, the way that the narrative is told that indicate to us why God allowed this fierce time of fear and pain to, to befall his people. Just judging, judging from the flow of the narrative, it seems that perhaps God's purpose for this storm was to get the disciples to ask the question that they raise at the end of verse 41 to get them to ask, who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In other words, it's, it seems like the whole purpose of this storm was just to get them asking questions and, and seeking answers and digging deeper so that they would know Christ better than they did before. And some of you maybe have gone through this. There'll be a crisis of pain or a, or a moment of fear or a real prolonged season of struggle or disappointment, and you come out the other side. And you, this ever happened to you? You just feel like, I know God so much better now than I did before that. Tim Keller, in his book on suffering, he wrote this. He said, one of the main ways we move from an abstract knowledge about God to a personal encounter with God is through the furnace of affliction. It seems, it seems here that the purpose, God's purpose for this storm was just to get them at the end asking this question, who is this? Who is this? Look at him. We're, we're, understanding, we're understanding truths about Christ we never did before. And another way to say that is that God sent the storm to reveal his Son. God sent the storm. Are you going through a storm? God sent the storm to reveal his son. Don't be surprised, believer, if he does that with you. A, a, a long season of sorrow or deep moments of disappointment or times that just you feel like your heart is breaking. And you say, is God mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Why is this going on? And God says, I'm just, I brought this so that you will know Jesus better than you did. The psalmist who wrote Psalm 119 apparently experienced something like that. Psalm 119, verse 71, he wrote this. He said, it was good for me, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Right? Now, I don't know if you realize it, but what I'm just exp explaining to you, that God might allow hardship into our lives so that we would know Him better. Do you realize that's really a radical idea? That, this, is a, this is a completely countercultural thought. You see, you, you and I, we live in a culture where we are being told all the time that the most important goal for any of us to pursue is our own personal happiness. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. Um, we're here to find happiness. 
Audrey Hepburn, the movie star, said the most important thing is to enjoy your life, to be happy. It's all that matters. Marilyn Monroe said happiness is the most important thing in the world. Without it, you have a life of depression. Beyonce said, my aspiration in life is to be happy. And it's not just them. We all say this. Everyone says it. We hear this from every corner of our, of our culture. That's why you're here. That's the only thing that matters is to be happy. So suffering is bad. Sorrow is bad. Self-denial is bad. Being stuck in a, in a frustrating situation or in an unfulfilling relationship, those things are bad. Get out of those. Why? Because the goal of life is to be happy. But have you ever asked yourself, what if that's not true? What, what, I mean, what if there's something more important than my own personal happiness? You ever ask that? Like, what, what, if, what if God's goal for me is not happiness as much as it is holiness? And, and another way to say that, listen, what if God's goal for you is, is not momentary happiness in the temporary pleasures of this world, but what if God's goal for you is your eternal happiness, your eternal joy in Him? What, what if this short life is just God preparing you for eternity? If, if that's the case, that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it, of, of why sometimes God allows storms into our lives. It's just like He's, pre he's just preparing you for something you can't even right now comprehend. To, he, he's, in other words, maybe right now, if you're going through a really hard time, maybe God is allowing this storm just to increase your hunger for Him or, or just to, to drive you back to God in prayer. Or maybe God's letting this happen to you so that He can wean you from your dependence to the, just the, the, the temporary pleasures of this world. Or maybe, maybe God's letting you go through this season of discouragement to create within you a desperate desire to hear His voice speak into your life again. It, it seems like from this passage, the, the disciples were at this moment, they're kind of content just to have Jesus in the boat. It's okay if he's asleep. We're not hearing from him. He's not saying anything, but that's okay. As long as he's with him, we're good with that. We don't need to hear from him anymore. But did you notice, as soon as the wind starts blowing, as soon as the wave starts crashing, it's like they run to Jesus. He has to speak again. They run to him once more. And, and that's when, did you notice, that's when he revealed his glory to them. That's when his glory was seen. And they're left just amazed, saying, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, the reason they asked that question is because these were, these were men who had grown up uh, studying, hearing, learning the Hebrew Scriptures, and they knew that the Old Testament teaches that the one, the only one who controls the weather and who has power over the seas is God. Only God can do that. But if he's God... Why is he asleep in the back of our boat? Right? I mean, what kind, of, what kind of God would humble himself and limit himself and weaken himself to the point that when he's tired, he has to take a nap? What kind of God would humble himself that way? I'll, give, I'll tell you the answer to that. Only a God who loves his people so much that he would stop at nothing 
to have a personal relationship with them, right? So, so if you read through the book of, of, of Mark, this is chapter 4, you read all the way to the end, here's what you find out. When the waves of danger threatened the lives of his disciples, Jesus spoke to the water and told it to stop. But when the waves of God's wrath threatened the life of Jesus himself on the cross, he said nothing at all. He just allowed the storm of justice to wash over him. Christian, do you know why he did that? Do you know why? Because he loves you. He would stop at absolutely nothing to save you, to have you with him for eternity. And like if you think about it, anyone who could tr control the wind and the waves, he could have easily stopped a Roman nail from piercing his hands, right? But on the, on the cross, he willingly let himself drown in the storm of God's justice. Here's why, believers, so that you will, so that that wrath, that justice will never, ever, ever be poured out on you. He did this because he loves you. And so maybe some of you are going through a very scary time right now, but here's what you have to ask yourself. If you say, listen, if I have a Savior who would do that for me, right? If I have a Savior who loves me that much, when I go through a storm, don't I think I can trust Him? You can trust Him. In fact, very often it's the, 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 the act of going through the storm that teaches you to trust Him. A Christian blogger named Julie Schrader wrote this. She wrote, over the last year of my life, I have encountered a very painful and devastating situation that very well could have broken me and rocked me to the core. But guess what? I looked up into the heavens and asked for Christ's strength, for His purpose, and for His love during that time. I believe God allowed that suffering into my life for multiple reasons, but one for sure was to grow and to change me. I learned so much and drew closer to God than ever before. In other words, I think that woman would say to us, you want to meet God, you want to know God, you want a deep walk with God, we meet God in the storm. Now, I, I imagine, um, I don't know, but I imagine if you, if you could have gone back in time, after the disciples finally made it to the other side of the lake and they crawled out of that boat and they're finally on dry land, I imagine if you could have gone back to those men and, and, and asked them, hey, are you, are you happy that you went through that storm? I think they probably would have said no. <laughs> I mean, who wants to go through a storm, right? I think they probably would have said, no, not, we're not really happy about it. It would have been easier if we could have just crossed the lake without an incident. But I think they also would have said to you, but um, we have to admit, having gone through this, we know our Savior so much better than we ever did before. We, we learned things about our Savior we never would have imagined. We, we learned that, that, listen, that He is the Savior who is so humble and so gentle and so just one of us. That when he's tired, he has to take a nap, and yet he is also the Savior who is so sovereign and so mighty and so powerful that even the winds and the waves obey him. In other words, we learn that he loves us. He really cares. 
We know this Jesus now. And I think they'd say, now that we know this about Jesus, that the next time we go through a storm, we'll probably be a little bit less afraid. Next time we'll, we'll trust him just a little bit more. Let's, let's pray together. Father, I have no doubt that some of us here right now are going through a season of sorrow or confusion, a moment of fear. And I want to pray in the name of Jesus that you will hold us close. I pray that you will not let this suffering be wasted, that you will use it in our lives to drive us to you, to, to know you, to, to be saying, who is this, this great God who is with me? And that you will use this to create a deeper, a more mature, a more joy-filled faith in Christ in our hearts. So would you do that work? We need you. Do that work in us for the glory of your name. Amen.